Hi and welcome to this week's OTT podcast where I'll be talking to my great friend Roger Hughes. He is a UK athletics performance coach and all-around good guy and in this time of lockdown and uncertainty as it still continues he'll be talking about what it takes to possess grit, resilience, overcome some of those life challenges and we'll also be exploring the DNA of success and what that looks like with great Team GB athletes. <laughs> so Roger, Roger, Roger. So how are you then? I'm very well, thank you very much. All the better for seeing your bright, smiley face. <laughs> oh, you cheeky bugger. <laughs> well, I'm, well, to be honest, you know, I've known you for a long time now, yeah. and this is the fittest I've ever seen you looking. Oh, great. Oh, thanks. <laughs> well, you know, but, but you've been you've been working out so much over the past year or so. I know yeah. with the COVID, we've had to put on on hold your uh, your incredible challenge, yeah. the, the marathon challenge, but you're still working out. And yeah, yeah. Uh, I've seen some people that have literally put on three or four stone yeah, weight yeah. over the last few months, mm. and they've they've just given up on life. Yeah, I know, I know. It, it's, just, it's over. It's it's the man with the billboard. You know, the double-ended billboard used to go over the sandwich board. <laughs> it says the end of the world is nigh. They, yeah. They're just walking around waiting for the the rock to hit. Yeah, yeah. Well, you're like me. I'm a big believer that, you know, the environment can't shape your own internal environment. So you've got to manage it yourself. And uh, yes. it's too easy to fall into that trap, isn't it, where you can you can sort of blame everyone and everything outside of you. But you've got to just crack on and just um, do the best of what you've got at the moment, haven't you? So that's what we've got to try and do. I think so. Yeah. I mean, we, we've been through some some health problems for my son and then me and, and yeah. before me, my parents. And, and, and yeah. I'm sure you have as well. And each time you think to yourself, oh, that, oh that's, that's a bugger, you know. But you don't blame the rest of the world because you get sick or, or your son gets sick or, or whatever. You think, firstly, well, what can we do to try and fix it? Yeah. Uh, and, and, uh, and secondly, let's make the most of everything that we've got while we've got it. Mm. Um, especially over the last, uh, the last year. I, I, was, I was sitting in the hotel, in my hospital bed about a year ago, mm. just over, um, after I'd had a seizure, and the doctor had come up to me, I don't know who he was, I don't remember this, and all my memories of it are what my wife told me had happened, oh, right. uh, and they've, so much so, she told me several times now, that they've actually become my real memories, <laughs> um, and I actually think I remember stuff from what yeah, she yeah. and other people have told me have happened. But one of the doctors said to me, have you made your arrangements? And I said, uh, arrangements for what? I've, I've got my wife to phone a few of the people and say, I'm not coming coaching today. And they said, no, 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 no not, not your arrangements for the day. You, you made arrangements for, you know, your funeral. I said, excuse me? Excuse me? Um, so it is looking back now, it's quite funny. But, you know, he obviously had no tact. He was clearly very clear. Zero, yeah. Zero tact. Uh, lots of inter intellectual knowledge mm. but it just came at it with a sledgehammer and I said all oh, right okay so so what, what are we talking about how long have I got have I got a week a month a year um but yeah he was he was wrong so clever people <laughs> oh clever people can be wrong very often yeah. <laughs> it's the definition of clever and intelligent isn't it and I mean there are some yeah. great doctors out there and I know some lovely people who are doctors but sometimes yeah. their communication yeah. style is just oh. tragic Oh, the lack of empathy sometimes is um but i mean they're under pressure aren't they and they, they're overworked and i guess 
yeah. blame that but actually it, it doesn't take a lot just to think about how you're going to deliver some news in a in a bit more of a sophisticated way well I, even just when i'm i'm coaching someone if i know they've got a particularly hard training session coming mm. up i try to try and soften the blow that's right <laughs> never mind telling them they're gonna be dead next week <laughs> yeah but it's all about priming the brain isn't it it's about priming and setting up someone to yeah. succeed not fail to, to yeah. feel okay rather than worry you know yeah and people just don't understand the impact they have sometimes really well yeah I was, I was talking to my son he's only seven last night mm. and uh, he was saying he worries about having to do something in front of the class because it's in public and that's what don't worry everyone worries mm. um you know pop stars worry when they get on stage There's, they're nervous before they get on stage mm. but they're big pop stars they're famous and everyone loves them and you know it doesn't matter and he said really and it was quite interesting actually getting it from his point of view because he suddenly thought so so that's fine then so if, if i'm a bit nervous that's that's it it doesn't make you um weak or or, or inadequate or anything like that mm -hmm. i said you need a bit of nerves you, you need some nerves to get up for it it means yeah. it, it means something to you yeah and i yeah. said when i was running i used to get incredibly nervous and i wasn't even any good at it um, which is probably why I was nervous because I, I was not enough against some people that weren't very good at it. But um, <laughs> but I think that you know if you're if you're not nervous or excited about something, it's not worth doing it. Mm. It's a call to action. That's what it is. It's your it's your mind telling your body that it's not under threat as such, but it's kind of something needs to happen. So yeah. you, all your senses become a little bit more um, engaged, don't they? Yeah. Yeah, and, and because you want to do a good job, don't you? So you've got to yeah. see and hear and feel a bit more alert. That's yeah. all it is. But people yeah. misunderstand that as being bad. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Everything's bad. We're, we're just, we've had a little conversation just before we came on air mm. uh, about the, the world situation at the moment. Everything's bad. Everyone's worried. You know, everyone's stressed out. And, you know, at the end of the day, it, it, okay, economics are going to come and go, but people are still going to be here. You know, the world's still going to carry on even if people aren't here the world is still going to carry on the planet will still be here with or without us you know it life will carry on and we can't just stop because there's a nasty bug going around yeah. as nasty yeah. as it is you know, um, well on, on that point how's it affected you with your situation well it's it's been quite hard actually because um i'm a, a very naively uh optimistic person mm. And I think that uh, that naivety and optimism has, in some ways, has, has held me back because maybe I'm not seen as smart as another person. But I think, on the other hand, it's got me through some incredibly challenging situations, uh, both parents passing away, son being ill, me last year, other things that have come along, finances. I think if if I had have um, allowed myself to think too much about stuff, mm. it would have become a major problem. But with this particular virus, it's a problem because we're being told by the government to not to not do stuff. To, we cannot do stuff. Um, the government are saying you've got to keep fit and healthy, which would be ideal for me in a position that I do. I'm an athletics coach, so I want to keep people fit and healthy. But then they've shut all the sports centres in order to keep it, people fit and healthy. Uh, and we went to an outdoor track the other day that wasn't fenced in. 
Uh, it wasn't part of the sports centre, it was adjacent to a sports centre, but it's an outdoor 400 metre running track. It's a quarter of a mile of empty space. And we were told by a security guard to get off it because of uh, uh, the health risk. And I said, I'm more likely to catch it off of you coming over to tell me to get off the track than to me run around on this hugely empty track. It, it's just madness. But from a business point of view, it's, it's, it's hard because um, I can't conduct any business. It's, it's not something where Joe Wicks can stand in front of the telly on a, on a Zoom call and you can sit in your living room and do some press-ups. Uh, if I'm telling someone to, to run 10, 200 metres um, with a short rest, I, I, they can't run around holding a Zoom camera uh, while they're doing it. It's, it's a very difficult kind of thing to do. And I think also um, it's the difference between teaching and coaching and learning as opposed to just reading a book or watching something on telly. I, I believe quite passionately that if you're coaching someone, you're, you're with them, you're physically with them, you're emotionally with them, you're putting your arm around them, uh, you're picking them up off the floor when they're tired, you know, you're giving them words of motivation. And I've noticed that over the past year where I've not been at the track, even the people that have continued to train information I've given them have not been able to produce the same results without me being there. And that's not because it's me. I think it's because it's their, their coach or instructor or their motivator is not there. And I think you need someone there. So this, this pandemic at the moment is, is really hard for personal kind of connections. Um, you know, family members being stuck out in the middle of nowhere with no one to talk to, isolated completely. Uh, it's, it's a huge, huge problem. Uh, but it, it goes right down to you know, kids are feeling this, adults are feeling this. As a matter of fact, it, it's, it's been interesting because um, kids at university have been given the blame for all this COVID being spread around. But I see old people walking around, sitting outside with no masks on and, and stuff. There's, there's no demographic that is out of, out of line more than the other. You know, I think we're all... Yeah, yeah. I, mean, I, I know quite a lot. Sorry, Roger, is there a bit of feedback on that? What happened there? Oh, then it probably, probably my bones cracking. <laughs> I sounded like some sort of Dalek then. I was, I was at 50 last week and it was probably, it was probably just everything just snapped. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I know that feeling. Um, but yeah, I know, I know some, some sort of people of the elderly generation. And one of the things that they say is... What would they rather do live life to the full or stay in lockdown and waste a year of their life where they can't see their kids and their grandkids and all that sort of stuff and i'm not saying that's right or wrong i'm just saying that's some people's philosophy and i can get it you know yeah, yeah. and to be told that you can't go and see people that you care about yeah and almost like you're breaking the law if you do <laughs> it's a yeah. human rights issue isn't it surely yeah and also such a conflict of interest i mean our kids have now been told they have to go out to school so they can sit in a class with 30 other kids from families they don't know, mm. whose family members have done things they don't know where they've been, what they've done, whatever. But they can't go and see their, their own grandparents yeah. at the yeah. weekend. They can't even play with the same kids that they've been at school with all day after school. Well, what's the, where's the sense in that? Well, there there's, <laughs> there's, there's no scientific, you know, if you're going by the science, we'll be guided by the science is what the big government sort of slogan is 
there's no science that say you can sit with someone all day in, a, in an indoor classroom, but then you can't play football with them outdoors afterwards. It's just madness. Yeah, so, so with all of this, you're, that Dalek bit's back again. With all of this, you're, um, you're, you're obviously, a, well, explain to people, you are a, a, a coach, athletics coach, right? And so you've obviously met and coached some pretty impressive individuals and met people with some um, very resilient mindsets, I would guess. And I guess part of the, the athletics training is not just physical, it's mental. And being, over, being able to overcome challenges, I would guess, and being able to put into practice um, everything that you want to achieve has to almost come to fruition in your mind, doesn't it? Because you know, you, you, you want to win a gold medal, for example, at the, uh, the European Championships or the Olympics. You want to be the best of the best. And the, 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 the vast majority of people who think like that, it's almost an impossible ask because the amount of people who've won a gold medal in a particular discipline on the planet are very few and far between. So those sorts of people must have some intrinsic ability to uh, believe in themselves, believe in a process, but also have that ability to understand that failure is going to be part and parcel of everyday life. And I think one of the challenges with COVID and governments and academics and with life just generally is that you meet lots of brittle and fragile people nowadays because they've gone through a traditional out of date academic system. They're working in businesses that, that promote hard work and promotes the fact that you shouldn't fail and let people down. And actually, it's the opposite of what success is quite often. Um, and I think you must meet people who break that mold because they're there to try and challenge themselves every single day to achieve something that's almost the impossible, right? Absolutely. I, mean, I, I kind of fell into coaching accidentally because as a kid growing up, um, watching team sports, we weren't winning anything. You know, I'm, I was 50 last week, and since I've been alive, England have never won an international football tournament, which is a shocker for a country that invented that sport. Mm. But individually, I was quite inspired by sports people that seemed to be very successful, even, even darts. You know, as a kid growing up in the late 70s, 80s, there were famous darts players, snooker players. Keith Deller. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Jockey Wilson, um, uh, the Crafty Cockney. Uh, but even on the, on the snooker, you know, Steve Davis and, and Higgins and all these people were very successful. They were hugely successful people from, but real people that, you know, I, I could identify with people that came from, from the UK and Ireland and Scotland. And uh, I, my family are mostly from Scotland, but we've lived in England for all our lives. And, and then I looked at athletics and all of a sudden there was, wow. There was Sebastian Coe, Steve Ovette, Steve Crown, Daddy Thompson, Alan Wells, Tessa Sanson. We, we were winning everything. Uh, it, you know, I think that we've been very lucky over the last couple of years to have had Samo Farah, which is, he's a, an incredible athlete. He's done some amazing things. Um, I know there's always some question marks around every kind of performance and all this kind of thing there is nowadays, but he's done some incredible, but we had like four or five or six Mo Farahs at the same time doing these incredible things. We, we were the Kenyans and the Ethiopians of the world and, 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 and destroying people. And, and I thought, wow, that's a person on his own doing it. I could do that. I could do that on my own. I don't need a lot of equipment. I don't need a, a team. I don't need to be able to get into a team. I can go out the front door, 
go running. And I remember watching Superman in 1978, and he was, as a kid, he was running past a train. And I ran outside after the movie, and I just ran as fast as I could, just as fast as I could for as long as I could. Probably wasn't very long, I can't remember now, but but the exhilaration of, and feeling of exerting myself and, and that kind of just huge amount of energy surging through me at that time was really just kind of what got me into athletics. And, and then seeing all these successful people, Kona, Bet and Cram, people like that, uh, I, I really wanted to be part of it. And I accidentally kind of found a club through a friend at school. Uh, I got into athletics. I loved it. But I was constantly injured. Um, I niggles, injuries, health problems, breathing problems, asthma, and some of the, all excuses. But at, the, but at the end of the day, I just wasn't any good. You know, I just wasn't a very good runner. I, I could move right because I learned all the right things to do. My friends were top athletes, so I learned how to run. I learned how to move. And I was even probably from the age of 14, 15, I was probably, without realising it, learning to become a coach because while I was constantly injured, I was listening to older athletes and coaches and what they were doing. And this went on for years and years. And I, I kept trying to make a comeback the following year and the following year and the following year and something else would happen or fall off or, or you know. Um, and I was becoming more and more fascinated by the conversations I was having with the older athletes and coaches. And my parents were also, I suppose, looking back, they were probably slightly older parents. And so the people I was kind of mixing with were all adults. Uh, and so I was getting a lot of information from them. And uh, one day I got asked, would I coach their little sister? So I said, yeah, sure. Uh, and, and it kind of went from there. But the, the mindset was that, I suppose like you've got Mourinho, you've got Alex Ferguson, you've got people like that, that are hugely successful uh, coaches or, or managers, motivators, but they weren't particularly brilliant footballers themselves. And I think there's something in that, in some unfinished business that I, I, I couldn't do. I, I wasn't quite able to, to do the thing I wanted to do, but I found out a way of other people being able to do it. You can't put in what God left out, clearly. So, you know, you've got to have the talent. But it's not talent alone. You've got to have the right mindset. You've got to have the right facilities around. You've got to have the right people around. You've got to have the right, um, the right self-belief and self-confidence and that determination. And I was, funny enough, I was just watching a video last night. It's one I'd never seen before. And it was from just after Seb Code retired and it was with Barry Norman. And they were talking about his growing up and his mum's influence, you know, making sure that they just sat around the dinner table and had all the right food and whatever but they didn't talk about athletics they talked about what was going on in the news and he had a brother and a sister and you know they didn't want it to just be talk about running 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 but then when it was running it was 100% focused on the running and, and him and his dad who became his coach were 110% committed they learned everything to do with that but it only happened when they had to run so once they left the office effectively they could talk about something else and they went back to the office and they had 100% commitment onto what was going on. And I, I, I learned a lot from that over the years um, that when I'm coaching, I'm coaching other people. So I, 
there's certain exercises I would join in with them. I'll show them how to do something. I'll demonstrate something. But I don't think you can coach someone by joining in with them. You have to, you have to kind of almost relinquish your own self, uh, your own passion uh, and your own uh, desires if you want to help someone else fully. Well, actually, on that point, I've got a couple of questions for you, right? This is interesting. Yeah. So um, to be successful in your, in your mind, if you're, if you're coaching someone and you just set them up for success, what are the key ingredients? What's the recipe, do you think? And let's, take, you know, let's use athletics as a, as a, a model because it's, it's expansive, isn't it, into business and whatever, life generally. Absolutely. But you know athletics better than most people, athletics coaching. So if you were to create a, a scenario where you think this person's got a really good chance of going right to the top, what would be the ingredients of that? I suppose the first thing you've got to do is to try and um, make sure that person understands they have that opportunity because there are a lot of people out there <clears throat> that have abundance of talent in all sorts of different things whether it be sport or business or academia um, but they're not always convinced themselves that they actually have it they're not necessarily even aware that they have it it could be uh, there was a great interview with Colin Jackson who wanted to play rugby and one day there was a rugby match the same day there was an athletic match the athletic match was in his hometown of Cardiff rugby match he had to travel 50 miles to he decided to do the athletic one so it was just random luck that he picked athletics. He could have been an average rugby player playing for his local team, but he went on to become the world's greatest hurdler. So some of it is random luck and being convinced you're doing the right thing. You also got to have genes. Uh, you know, you can't get to the top in in sport anyway without having the physical equipment. But the same in business. You know, you got to have the right people around you, the right tools, the right computer equipment you know depending on what it is that you're selling or doing or your business is you've got to have the right stuff around you so I think there's uh, an element of um, self-belief and physical physical attributes and you, you have to have a, a kind of a, a, a marrying of both of those but then you have to have this third person this teacher um, not a guru it could be you know i'm a big star wars fan you got the you got the jedis that want to train you to to learn all the skills that everybody has in them but we just don't realize we have them and you need someone else to try and convince you to do that and i think because i was always injured and listened to all these other coaches and find out what they were doing i started listening to yodas and 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 all these kind of weird weird people that were Looking back, you know, I mean, it was like a catalogue of paedophilia. They, they were just, they were just, <laughs> they were just these old men in Max that were going from race to race, watching young kids run around fields and things, you know. And uh, hang on, Roger, this conversation's flipped. Are you saying that you're now, you are now modelling? These... No, 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 not at all. But, but what I mean is, it's, it's, the, well, the, the, you know. They, they, there's a very thin line. Yeah, that's right. There's a very thin line. But what I was fascinated by was their 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 enthusiasm for it all. They 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 were every competition every weekend, to the exception of everything else, you know. Um, whereas I wanted to, I wanted life to be a little bit more. 
I don't know, inclusive. So for example, my, my main priority in my life is to look after my wife and kids. Second to that is to try and, and coach athletes to be, become the best athletes they can be. And if that means that they're going to run the local 5K park run in under half an hour, then that's fantastic. If it means they're going to go to the Olympic Games and make the final, maybe make a medal, that's fantastic. I don't see any difference between those two things. Uh, it's, it's only a difference of talent and time to be able to, to achieve them. Uh, what you're doing with your seven marathons in seven days is is just mind-boggling. That's that's more than it, it's a bit like we were talking earlier about stars in the sky and the sands of grain on the on the earth. People can't imagine. You you can say you're going to run seven marathons in seven days. Oh, that's a good one. You know, do you want a pint, Ollie? No, no, it's not. No, you you're missing the point. It's bigger than that. Um, and it's a bit like that with athletics as well. You know, why don't you have a day off today? The weather's not very nice. Well, that's why you've got to get it out there. That's right. Yeah. That is that is a that is a really good point, which is <coughs> I, I went for a run, what day is it today? Thursday. I went for a run on Monday night um, at 8 30, and it was horrendous weather. It, well, it wasn't horrendous, but it wasn't very nice. You wouldn't go, hmm, oh, I'm looking forward to going for an hour's run now in this rain and wind and cold and dark. Yeah. Which is the whole reason why you need to go. Yeah. Because what you're yeah. doing is you're creating this set of principles in your mind yeah. that are over and above the normal the normal, right? Yeah. That allows you to go past the normal and do yeah. things that other people wouldn't do because they wouldn't do that. They wouldn't make that choice because that's ridiculous. Yeah. But yeah. actually, when you do it and then you come home, that feeling that you get that is this is for everyone not just in athletics but when you do things that you don't want to do but you know that you should be doing them because it's going to serve you well you're yeah. creating this mental connection to a sense of purpose and challenge and growth and that's what we're all here to do really is become better than 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 most people think you can be because it's such a great feeling of of i don't know of, of of just positive emotion that that creates you know yeah. that motivation that that those endorphins they, they they kick in and you just you sit there and you go i did that yeah that's all right even though it was just an hour's run yeah. you just know that 99 percent of people would go nah, not for me absolutely and that's what makes you special yeah yeah you know, my, my wife during lockdown she's for the last seven years we've had problems which we weren't going to now with, with my son's health and then we were very blessed to have a, a daughter that came along as well and I think that the two combinations <clears throat> put a huge strain on on Nick and she was unable to string together any consistent period of time to do things for herself and funny enough this lockdown has actually been really good for her because she's because we weren't able to go anywhere other than to do this bit of exercise she's lost 22 pounds in weight She's been going out there, she's running now, and she ran the other day for the first time with a watch because she didn't have the confidence to run with a watch. She'd run and walk and jog, and, and then she ran the whole way of a particular loop that she's got without stopping. So she said, right, the next stage is I've got a time, how long it takes me to do it? And she ran just over 5K in 24 minutes, which, which she is absolutely blown away with. Okay, then not going to get to the Olympics, but that's a massive... It was a massive point for her to do that, you know, and that gave her a buzz for the rest of the day. And then she went off. Uh, she works as well, so she out, went out to work buzzing. 
uh, and came back really positive and it changes your whole outlook on life so sport and academia or business i don't think can be separated you 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 need to have physical um exercise in order to release the the energy you've got inside you to do other things um it's a good point actually because i think you know the type of coaching that i do you have to consider things like the environment so the place that people work and obviously with lockdown that's interesting so this the sort of remote smart working philosophy is now kicked in yeah people now understand that you can work really successfully out of an office you don't have to do the commute and so that's a good thing because then people can spend more time doing the healthier things in their lives that make them feel better and also the environment's a major part as you've mentioned then there's that um sort of knowledge that people have through academics and and people go to university believing that they're going to get that dream job and be looked after and making sure that you know that money is the most important thing and then as you get older you soon realize that you're stuck in an institution and it actually doesn't make you happy and you're working ridiculous hours for people who don't really care about you that much yeah right so you've got to have this infrastructure around the environment then there's this this knowledge you know but it's it's more than that it's awareness and so, you know, I do a lot of work on teaching people what makes them happy, healthy and successful because they don't even think about it. Yeah, they, they, they follow this path, which is, you know, I'm, I'm born into a family and then I have to go through the education system. Then I get the dream job and then I work for the corporate and then I retire and that's game over. Well, yeah. I don't want the game over at the end. I want I want the game to start at the very beginning to the end. Absolutely. And it's how the choices you make have to have to support the happy, healthy, successful mentality. Yeah. So it's about that awareness of what who you are and what you what you're good at and what you enjoy doing and what your life is is about and what how to shape that. And then yeah. it's making informed choices, which is wisdom, really, isn't it? So learning all the skills that will support where you're going yeah. and really applying yourself to the things that you enjoy doing and you love yeah. so that you can live that fulfilling life. And people forget this. Right. So they're almost a victim of circumstance. And I think when you talk about athletes, they've pushed out of that sort of paradigm haven't they and they've, they've created their own area where they want to excel and live a life of fulfillment yeah but, but again part of that is if you take a usain bolt i would guess if you were to dissect his leg <laughs> you would say that he's got a, 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 a almost mutated level of fast twitch fibers almost you would yeah. i would guess i would guess because yeah. someone to run like that is an extreme mutation of normal i mean i can't run that fast you can't yeah yeah and, and most and no one else on the planet can run that fast currently yeah, yeah. so he must have these genes as you say yeah. that yeah. must be so special superhuman gene yeah that makes him able to do that but that's not enough either is it because if you look at jamaica they also have a culture that's built around their number one sport is sprinting so they're encouraged yeah. to sprint yeah that's my understanding right yeah so environment shapes that so not only is he talented he's got the environment and then also if you i mean i don't know him you've, you've met him but um i would hazard a guess he's got the right mental dna as well that allows him to when under pressure flourish whereas yeah. most people crumble and he probably yeah. makes better choices at the right time than most people do i would guess. I think yeah if you if you watch him before a race he quite often jokes around mm. um he'll uh, high five one of the little uh, bag boys that are there to click the shoes after the race uh, you know, after they start uh, he'll wave to the crowd he'll do his bolt kind of pose and what he's doing there he's relaxing himself but he's also by doing it his competitors 
are terrified because it looks like this guy doesn't even care. You know, what he clearly does, but he's very smart at taking the pressure off of himself and putting it on the opposition. And then if you see just seconds before he gets down into his box, he does a quick cross to say, thanks God, this is this one's for you. And then off he goes, but he's relaxed. The others are stressed. There's Asafa Powell and Johan Blake that are just as good as he is from the same country that do the same thing, but they don't win because they haven't got the same mentality that he's got. Now he is a freak, but if you get to the top eight people in the world, they're all freaks. Um, there's there's something physiologically different with them to, to normal people. Um, it's interesting that because when I was, I'm, I'm roughly your age, but um, we, you know, do something like Daley Thompson and I, and I love Daley Thompson and Linford Christie as well. And Linford Christie was interesting because he got faster the older he got, didn't he? Yeah, yeah. What's that about? Well, again, it's a bit like nature and nurture. Um, he was always a very talented kid, but nobody had ever really taken the time out to say how talented you could be if you really knuckled down to it. And he kind of played around and he ran some races and he'd play cards afterwards and he'd go out with some friends and he got a job. Um, and then one day, uh, he was still progressing. He, he, he managed to get into the Great Britain team, but he was doing all right. And then one day, he didn't get selected for the 1984 Olympics. And he genuinely believed he should have done. And the, the head coach at the time said, well, I think you could have done too, but you're lazy, whatever. So Linford had him up against the wall. Did he? And said, yeah, he said, look, look well, put me in the team then. He said, no, you've got to prove yourself first. So he said, right, okay, I'm going to do it. And then he went full time. He trained. His mindset changed. And that allowed him to be able to achieve the goals that he did. So it wasn't until he was 24, 25 before he came to the realisation that he could actually be really good at this. And this could actually be his job. So you were saying earlier, you don't want to wait till you're 65 and then have your, your retirement. You want your retirement now while you're young and you can enjoy it. And uh, again, last night with the interview with the co, uh, they said, well, there's lots of money involved in sport now. Maybe not so much in athletics as there is in football, but there is money involved at the top end. And they said, do you think you still would be uh, running today if there was no money? And he said, yes, because... It's what I love doing. I'm good at it. I like, you know, I'm I'm a fairly modest person. Um, but Nick quite often will, will laugh at me because if I go for a run, I'll run through the high street with an or bright orange top on, you know, and, and she'll go through the back streets with a, almost a camouflage kit on. She doesn't want to be seen by anyone. I'm quite happy to be I'm, I look, this is what I'm good at. Look, I'm running past you quickly. Look. This is me. I'm good at this. Even if I'm not that good, in my head, I think I'm, I'm still quite good at it. Hold on, Roger. What's your, what's, you say you're not good. I remember we used to work together and you used to go for lunchtime runs. And yeah. then you run like, I don't know, something like 10 miles in a ridiculous time in one hour or something stupid. What's your, I, I, was, I, was, I, was, I was back in time before my lunch break, yeah. Uh, and, uh, and back at the desk before lunch break. Well, come on, give us some perspective on, on how quick you were. Um, I suppose during those days, I'd probably do a 10 mile run in, yeah, certainly in under an hour. Um, sometimes if I wanted to get back and have something to eat as well, maybe 55, 56 minutes, something <laughs> like that. 
<clears throat> ready for your KFC bargain bucket. Ready, well, absolutely, absolutely, yeah. It was, uh, it, I mean, I was, when I say good, I mean, when you're looking at people like Usain Bolt, Sebastian Poe, Delhi Thompson, these people aren't just good. They are, as you said, they're freaks of nature. They're something different. There was a subspecies of human, um, some of these Kenyans. And it doesn't matter what drugs you take, you know, if you haven't got it, you haven't got it. You know, you, I, could, I could put rockets on my, on my shoes. Yeah. I'm not yeah. going to beat someone who's, who's gifted like that. Um, but there's different levels of good. And I said to my son the other day, you don't have to win something to be a winner. You just have to try your very best. And if you've done your best, then you've, you've done your best. Nobody can take that away from you. You know, I've, I've, I've seen people that have, have been the best in the world still not win races. Sebastian Coe, as we mentioned there, best in the world at 800 metres and got beat by a guy who was three seconds slower than him over 800 metres. Uh, it doesn't mean that you're always going to win. And, and equally the same in business as well. You can take the kind of mind, mindset that um, I want to be successful. Uh, I want to achieve something, but the company might still fail because you haven't learned all the bits and pieces that need to go with it. Um, I might well, You might have a really bad leader or coach or someone who doesn't yeah. coach you particularly well. Yeah. That's one of the biggest problems, actually, is, yeah. you know, you can talk about bad parenting, we can talk about bad leadership, we can talk about toxic company cultures, yeah. and all these infrastructures and these, these um, mindsets that you get given from a young age can quite often sabotage people who, who could be really, really successful, and they hold on to them for dear life, and they don't let go of them, even though it doesn't work for them. Yeah, well, that, that's kind of half the, the reason why I want to become a coach, and why I wanted to remain staying a coach because I was very lucky I had fantastic role models um my parents were brilliant parents to me um dad was you know with with rose tinted glasses this was years and years ago but you know I'm sure they all had their own flaws as well but from my point of view my parents were fantastic I, I never can remember going without although we never had much we weren't a, a very wealthy family at all Mum had three jobs, dad had two jobs. But we always, if I needed some running shoes, I got running shoes, you know. If, I was very, very lucky to have very, very um, loving parents that encouraged me no matter what I was doing. I played rugby for a season. I was terrible, absolutely terrible. Dad came and watched every match. He's there, rain, shine, watching me getting battered by these big monsters. I was jumping onto the back of people. They didn't even notice I was on them. They just carried on running regardless. I was no good, but he said, well done, son. That was a really, really good match today. You know? And we get beat 15-0. You know? <laughs> um, and the same with running as well. And it, 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 I, I got lucky with some races when I was younger. I, I think because I trained so hard when I was young, I was winning some races that probably made me look a little bit better than I really was because the other kids hadn't started the same volume of training that I was doing at that stage. But because I was so fired up and so wanted to do it, uh, I, I, I just did as much training as I could possibly do and got really, really fit. And I was lucky to, to, to win a couple of races. And, but by doing that and not doing it the right way and not, not learning how to do it and being taught by the right person at the right time to do the right things at the right time, I constantly get, kept getting injured, which ultimately hampered me. And then as the younger athletes that then started up in their training, I could see that I just wasn't as talented as them at running, but I thought I could be as talented as them 
or, or better at something else. And that something else became coaching. And I wanted to try and help other people achieve what I couldn't. And also, I wanted other people to achieve what I believed they could and what would make them happy. And so here's, here's, sorry, Rog, here's the point. So the first, the first, at the beginning of this conversation was talking about two things. And the first one was, you know, what makes a good athlete or a great successful athlete person? And the second part of this is what makes a great coach? So if you could highlight those three things, sure. what, would be, what would be the three things that would make a great coach? So you're saying about helping people achieve their ambitions and dreams. Would that be part of it? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I think from that is, is having people that inspire me too. So as I mentioned there, my parents, uh, my coach, my friends, my family that I've met through sport, yourself. Um, although by the time we'd met, I'd already had started to become uh, a coach or at the athletic club. It was just a kind of a voluntary thing and I was dipping my toes in. Yeah. But through the work we did together, you know, your input into although we were working in the business field and we were training development in terms of sales and customer service and, and delivering a, a business product, the philosophy is very, very similar. You're training someone and trying to nurture the best out of them uh, to get them to be empathetic on the phone, to understand when there's an opportunity that someone's actually saying, you oh, know, I'm actually quite interested in buying that thing from you. Might not say those words, but you've got to be able to pick up on the cues. And it's, a, it's the same when it came to athletics. There were people that might come to the club that are shy, a bit awkward, but they actually, you can see there's something in them that they really, really want to achieve. And this, this interview I watched the other night with Barry Norman and, and co, and he said, your dad was your coach. Did he, was he quite authoritarian? Did he really, really give it to you? He said, well, there were occasions where we had some serious conversations but it was all led by Seb. Seb wanted to be this top runner. And so he accepted whatever his dad said. If that's what he wants to do, he said, right, I've gone out of my way to find out how to do it, son. This is how we do it. Are you prepared to do that? Yes. And so they got a winning partnership straight away. And I think if you've got the right genes, the right mindset and the right people behind you, you can't fail. You don't have to be the best at something, but you don't. But, but what makes a great coach, though, Rog? What, what are the, what are the, if you, if you were, again, let's go to the recipe of making a great coach. What would be the three main ingredients to coaching? I, I would think, almost contradicting myself, the fact that I didn't have the genetic material to become a top athlete was a benefit to me being a coach because I still had the same mindset. I wanted to be the best and I wanted to help other people be their best the best versions that they could be. And so by not being the best myself actually kind of helped me in that direction because I really, really wanted to achieve something. Um, I didn't know what I could, I could be good at. It, it could be that maybe I'm, I was destined to become the world's greatest car mechanic, but I never went down that road. I, I, wanted, to, I wanted to find out how the human body worked. How does the lungs work? How does the heart work? What is it about muscle fibers? What is a slow twitch fiber? What's a fast twitch fiber? Why would anybody need a slow twitch fiber? What's the point in having a right. slow twitch so, fiber? So you, you're also innately curious. And I think that's important yeah. for coaches, not only to be ambitious and help people to achieve their dreams, but I think also yeah. that interest that goes beyond just being 
stimulated by finding out stuff but it's actually going right into the rabbit hole isn't it and being so yeah. curious that you've got to master the yeah. the information turn that into knowledge and then turn that into practical application and wisdom i think that's really important and some Absolutely. people just dip their toe don't they and then they, they go well i know enough now yeah you can never know enough well it's it's funny because i've spoken i've been very lucky over the years to, to have spoken to some some of the best athletes in the world of, of all time usain bolt and, and denise lewis and all these kind of people and quite often it's interesting they're not that fussed about how they do it they're not interested so when you say but becoming a coach i think that's a big difference they just want to do it uh, they said right okay how do i do it coach what do you want me to do today okay i've got to run up this hill three times okay right let's run up the hill three times that's what i've got to do today um I'll leave that to you, coach. You decide what how many times I've gone up the hill. I can do that bit. And then they go off and they do their own thing. And I think there's something to be said about that. If you can just channel all your energy into the one thing you need to do at any one particular time, you can achieve greatness. If you spread yourself too thin across too many things for too long a period of time, you'll achieve averageness. And I think that... Uh, the greats are the people that can channel everything into one big magic moment. Do you know what? It's fascinating that because there's a lot of thought going into neuroscience and talking about three things that actually compel us as human beings. And one of them is being outcome orientated. So knowing what you're going to get out of the day, the week, this life, whatever you want to yeah. call it. Then is understanding the principles of time because everyone understands time, even though it's a concept, it's, it's something that we all can relate to past, present, future. Yeah. And then there's this uh, collaborative society-based empathy that we all enjoy being part of a, a bigger community, a bigger system. Yeah. You know, that compassion and, 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 and joy that you get from all of that. And I think if you look at what you just said there, athletes are very outcome orientated and don't care about the process so much. Yeah. But they have this innate ability to just listen and do and not overthink. And people overthink too much, even now. And anxiety, I think, comes quite often from not knowing the outcome that you want and not planning it and setting it out because people don't do that because they're quite lazy and they get frustrated with themselves right so the outcome's not laid out so you get anxious about that because you're not going to be good enough in life yeah and also you know you're going to get outcomes that you don't want because you're not thought about it consciously and put some effort in yeah. and then people get worried and anxious about time because they're disorganized and chaotic and they yeah. allow distractions to come in yeah and they yeah. allow people to dictate where their time should go so they get frustrated with that and also another area of, of sort of sadness and disappointment and anxiety and stress is not being connected to people yeah. and just being lonely and isolated, right? Yeah, yeah. And I think what, we, what you've talked about here is athletes know what they want, they find a team to support them, and they know when they're going to do it. Yeah. And that's just like life generally. You should basically wake up every day, know what your point is, yeah. where you're going, yeah set some agenda to that and expectations yeah. of yourself and know it's not going to be easy it's not going to be easy it's going to be difficult sometimes but that's okay because if you turn yeah. that difficulty into challenge and you overcome those challenges you feel good right yeah and the best way to overcome challenges is to do it with other people and help get that support infrastructure and people yeah. just don't get that yeah and that's the but that's the, that's the big thing with this virus at the moment mm. it's made things more challenging mm. it's not made them impossible yeah. it's just made them more challenging um track shut so okay what can we do to replicate what we were going to do today on the track mm. so we've got to find a venue 
we've got to find uh, the right distance. And if the venue uh, is undulating, it's going to have a different physiological outcome to a flat surface and, and so on and so on. So you just, you just adapt. Yeah. You know, people have come from cavemen to where we are now because we've adapted to different things and 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 that's going to happen in the future as well we're, we're going to be living on the moon we're going to live on mars we'll adapt you know there's radiation on mars that will kill us in seconds but we'll find a way to adapt it we'll live in caves we'll i don't know that's right but we'll be able to to change and i think with with coaching whether it's coaching in business or coaching in sport if the coach has taken the time to study the individual people they're helping as well as the subject they're helping them in then you're going to get a winning formula from the person that's as long as the person is willing to listen to that person so I, i've had some athletes that have got huge talent but they either don't believe in themselves or will be scared of success perhaps and they they put walls in front of themselves by getting a job or um, refusing to um, take a day off, you know, because sometimes that can be the right thing to do is to not do any training that day. So with, with all this in mind, yeah. who's, who's someone you've coached that's really flourished and done really well? Well, I suppose one of the people I'm in a couple of couple of examples actually um one of the people i've been very proud of is shalane roskin clark uh, she was a young girl came from slough um very difficult background i won't go into her personal details but she came from a very difficult uh situation at home and she wasn't even the best athlete in her home in her own school uh, there was a girl there that was one of the best junior athletes in the world at the time who didn't go on to achieve anything after school age because she just didn't have the right mindset. She didn't, she wasn't prepared to train. She had incredible talent, different event, but uh, was, was unable to put the work in for, for various reasons. You could call it laziness. You could call it uh, whatever, but Shalena had something about her. She wasn't, as obviously as good at the same time but she had a work ethic that was different and she had like a fire in the belly and a look in the eye and whatever the the, the kind of sporty expression is she had she had it um and i thought if we're patient and we do the right thing something special could happen here and over a period of time something special did materialized and she became the best in in the country as a junior and then she became the best as a senior uh, she what, Roger, what, was, what was her specialist so uh, 800 meters is her specialist event. Right. we accidentally achieved more than we should have done over the 400 originally and uh, that was um good and bad because it catapulted her to be number one in the country in that event as a kid but then because she was number one and doing so well at it the governing body got involved i think and then decided she was going to be a 400 four by four relay runner for great britain and that was never the plan all along and it took a couple of years in the wilderness before she was able to 
come back to the original plan and get back to doing 800s and she she went on to become one of the top in the world at 800 meters and, and still is made an olympic final made a world final uh european indoor champion world indoor bronze medal she's british indoor and outdoor champion multiple times but more than that she's a lovely lovely girl she's a hard-working lovely girl that's remained a good friend to this day uh she's kind of auntie shalena to the kids uh and she's come back on projects that that we've both worked on with the kids with the, the summer athletic camp uh to give something back to to the sport and inspire some the next generation and she spent a week coaching them uh she's just a terrific terrific person that's brilliant, that's brilliant. but that's also down to you right that's that's um, you know you've got to give yourself a, a slap on the back haven't you i think um I think sometimes <clears throat> it's very easy to uh, not do that. It's very easy for me to not do that. I'm quite a, I wouldn't say shy, but I, I'm, I, I, I find adulation quite difficult to sort of deal with. Not adulation, but maybe that's the wrong word as well, but I, I think Shalena has achieved greatness because Shalena was a great athlete physically who worked really, really hard at what she did. And I'm very proud to be part of that and helping her guide her in the right direction. And I think from a personal point of view, that is a very proud moment in my life. And, and I've been able to do that with other people in different levels, um, in different events. And that's what's been very pleasing for me. Uh, and, and it's given me a, self of self, a certain uh, sense of self-worth as well, because sometimes, especially in these COVID times, you can feel quite down about yourself and the world around you. And there's, there's wars going on and there's famine and there's poverty and there's illnesses and there's all sorts of things going on. And every now and again, you just need a bit of a lift. And that's what these, these mega movies, <clears throat> Avengers and all these superheroes are all about, because they... They want to give you some hope. I mean, religion, it's all about giving you some kind of hope and, and something for some, something more than just what you've got. And I think I was lucky enough to find coaching uh, and I was lucky enough to be able to help some of the people that I've helped over the years with their running. Uh, and some of that has, has transferred into their personal life and in their work life and well, it, it does, Roger, doesn't it? When you when you realise that you can make progress and develop mm. and grow and be better, it gives yeah. you that confidence to then try other things outside of just that yeah. particular discipline, doesn't it? Yeah. And you'll yeah. know this, you know, there's lots of great athletes who become really good business people yeah. and just good people generally. Um, yeah. And then you, it, 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 success can spread itself, can't it? You know, yeah. um, and, and I think that's a really good thing. It's, a, it's, a, it's the measure of a human being when you can, accomplish success in, in a certain field and then realize that actually the same principles and strategies can be applied in other areas right well that that's where that's where you come in i mean when i met you uh you made me realize that 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 is exactly the case be, before that i used to go to work because it was work uh, i needed a job i needed some money and i got a job and i worked and it didn't occur to me what I was working in. I worked in shops, I worked in factories, I worked in call centers. Um, <clears throat> but my, 
reason for working, apart from the fact I needed money, was in order to help me carry on doing my running, which is what I actually wanted to do. When I became a coach and I got a job working in a call centre with you, <clears throat> you made me realise that the same principles apply from athletics and coaching and sport into business or any other area of my life. Um, I went through a series, I mean, I've been very fortunate. I've had some wonderful, lovely girlfriends. I'm not sure if I should say this really. I've had some fantastic girlfriends and um, people over the years, beautiful girlfriends, lovely people. Um, I've been very, very fortunate in that way. <clears throat> uh, but for one reason or other, whether it was me sabotaging the relationships or, or they just didn't work out for whatever reason. But at some stage in my life, and perhaps maybe through working with you and the spin-offs from that, from, from uh, the people I met through sport, directly or indirectly, I then eventually met someone that I thought, you know what, I'm not going to mess this up now. This is this is it. I've, I've met someone really special who's really lovely. Uh, I've met oh, thanks, Rich. I really, I really appreciate that, mate. Thank <laughs> you. <laughs> um, and it was randomly, I did it off. I had a at a school in Buckinghamshire. And I bumped into the teacher there and we kind of hit it off. And now, 15 years later, we're still together. We've got two lovely kids. That would never have happened without sport, but it also wouldn't have happened without me realizing the importance of what I was doing outside of sport as well. And I think that's where, you know, the connection you've often inspired me. Um, not, I'm not just talking about your seven by seven marathons, which is an incredible feat, and, and we shouldn't forget that. And, and please donate towards Ollie's um, marathon challenge because it's an incredible event, which I'm sure we'll talk more about. Um, uh, later on but you inspired me to think outside the box because I was running I was coming to work I was going home I was running and that was it and all of a sudden I started and I think it was actually another stroke of luck I guess was being sacked on New Year's uh, Christmas Eve one year for my job <clears throat> made redundant um and that kind of forced my hand to say, well, why don't I do my retirement job now while I'm happy and fit and well and able? And I became a full-time coach. I don't think I would have probably done that had I not met you and realised that I could do my passion as my job. Yeah. And yeah. Can, I, can, I just, can I just clarify something? I was not the person that sacked you. <laughs> It's no, no, a different no, absolutely. Job. <laughs> absolutely. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Yeah, yeah. So this, this was, this was, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, even the company we worked for. When I first got there, there was about a dozen people in an office above a warehouse in a in a factory in Slough, and um, I think you were actually working for Dayu, which was one of our clients at the time, and then and then came on board and 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 uh, became my boss and, and a bit of a kind of a guru. Uh, I know we're the same age, but you know maybe almost like a bit of an older brother trying to teach me uh, what you knew from your business background and 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 then I thought well that's not too dissimilar to my sport background and and uh, I, I left the company we worked with um, because it had been taken over by someone else and it was becoming not the company 
that I joined. <clears throat> um, and funny enough, you know, the, the parent company that took that over made it something completely different. And, and I'm, I'm glad that I, I moved in a different direction when I did. But I, I continued to be a trainer for another company. So I was doing what we were doing, but for another company. And once I delivered all the training they wanted and trained all the staff and written all their training manuals, uh, and which was largely based off of the work we did at Inkfish together, um, they then didn't need me anymore because they'd got all the stuff or, or they thought they did. But having written information is not the same as coaching and mentoring and nurturing and teaching and guiding people. They just had the written information. And that company also failed within about 18 months of me leaving, not because it was me, but because they didn't have anyone to inspire or lead the people. And uh, I was lucky enough to get made redundant from that second company um, on Christmas Eve, and I became a full-time coach. And we still remained friends, even though we might not see each other for weeks or months on end, we've still remained friends. And and I think that is testament to you and what you are and what you did, uh, as well as a, our working relationship. Um, but you also taught me that we were able to to do the fun thing for a job. That's right. That's what you want to do. That's what everyone, that's got to be everyone's dream, rather than just leaving school and getting a job, retiring, and then dead five years later, if, if you're lucky. Do, do the thing you want to do now while you're healthy and happy to do so. So, so with that in mind, where's your athletics camp at the moment? With COVID, obviously, it's been cancelled this year and stuff, but you're hoping yeah, next year to run an athletics camp? Yeah, it's been a bit of a Chernobyl, as you would say. Um, <laughs> it's, uh, it, it's, it's been difficult. That Last year, because I was ill, um, for those of you who haven't seen the previous podcast, I had a brain tumour diagnosed, which has left me with severe epilepsy um, on quite high doses of medication at the moment, which has <clears throat> meant that uh, unfortunately I can't drive, which is very restrictive um, in terms of trying to get to various venues to coach people and train people, especially as a, um, as a self-employed person, if you like. But, the but also, sorry, Rog, just as part of that, with, with COVID, does that mean that your treatment's been, put, been paused or...? Yes, yeah, so uh, both my son, who uh, that's another uh, massive story as well, but he's very premature and has had multiple health complications off the back of it with um, lungs and airways and, and immune system and so on. Um, we've both had a stroke in the same part of the brain, funny enough, which was uh, left us with very similar traits, which is quite interesting from a uh, maybe an NLP point of view, you might find that quite an interesting thing to do as a separate uh, story, perhaps. Um, certainly my wife thinks that she's dealing with the same the same problem twice <laughs> um, but we've uh, maybe, maybe I've always been like that I don't know <laughs> we've, but because of Covid uh, I wasn't able to do the camp that I was really looking forward to Look, what, one of the things that got me through last year's illness was the fact that I got great friends and family and, and my athletic coaching and everything else but I really wanted to get the camp going again because it's such a successful thing it's helped so many kids and it's something I it's my big competition here it's my Olympics every year so I wanted to do it this year but Covid kind of killed that off we weren't able to do it 
uh, and and I think going forward without any kind of funding or sponsorship it's very difficult for my wife to get behind me to do it because it would put us as a family personally in very difficult situation if uh, I was to basically carry the can the financial can for, for staging the camp without any kind of, any kind of help or so, so it's been postponed this year you're going to do one next year yeah, and yeah. this is where this is where people parents can put their kids on a on a camp and learn a specific skill or a passion. Even if even if the kid isn't particularly good at say throwing the javelin, but they like they're interested and they want to try yeah. things out. It's going Absolutely. in there and just immersing yourself in with a, a community of like minded people who want to get fit and healthy and learn a learn an athletic skill that will serve them yeah. well just in life generally. Absolutely, yeah. I mean that's definitely the goal for next year. Uh, what you, you hit the nail on the head. The, the, the last camp we did do, there's an award for um, um, <clears throat> the best boy and the best girl in each group. Plus, I have an overall award for the person that I think has got the most out of being there that week. And that particular award that year, this was 2018, went to a boy who hates sport. He doesn't like sport whatsoever. He hated it. He hated running. He hated jumping. Um, but the difference on my camp is there's seven different groups, there's jumps, sprints, throws, hurdles, pole vault, middle and long distance and, and whatever. He went into a throws group and he suddenly, he suddenly found something that he was really good at. He didn't have to run the 1500. He could, it's still not easy. It's a technical thing that he had to learn, but he was able to throw the javelin and he really enjoyed the javelin. And, uh, and the other throwing events as well, the hammer, the shot, the discus, and he loved it. And, so much so that at the beginning of the week, his mum said, look, he doesn't like sport. What can we do? And I said, I'll tell you what, just pay for today. If he really enjoys today, we'll look at the rest of the week after that. He loved it. He couldn't, come, he couldn't wait to come back the next day. Part of what we, we do as well are guest speakers like yourself that come in and inspire kids by telling them, how they can improve their performance through their mental outlook and their NLP and their, the, um, the chimp brain and, and, uh, and, and so on. And without guest speakers like you motivating them throughout the week, it wouldn't be the kind of camp that it really is. But it's also an opportunity for them to make friends, to get fit, and also to be able to meet some of the greatest athletes of all time, which even if you don't go on to become a great athlete, has to be inspiring. Yeah, yeah. So who have you had on the camp then? So obviously I've done a few talks, which is fine, you know, but there's other, there's other had, some really impressive people, right? We, we've had the great Oliver Thompson um, <laughs> deliver some fantastic uh, talks on a range of, uh, of um, ways of getting the most out of yourself through positive thinking and um, basically inspiring themselves to be the best they can be. But we've also had... Usain Bolt, for Christie, Sally Gunnell, Denise Lewis, Johan Blake, Colin Jackson, uh, Mark Richardson, Marlon Devonish. Uh, we've had coaching on the camp. We've had Matsumo Farah, James McElroy, Tim Benjamin, Lara Chike. <clears throat> They're all world Olympic champions, Commonwealth champions. Uh, we've had Sally Gunnell, Cuddy Holmes. We've had, it's been fun for me as, as an athletics fan. It's been fun for me to do it because I've got to meet some of my heroes too. Some of them were, were, were kids that I grew up with that went on to become great Olympic champions, that we were just all kids at the same time. And uh, Denise is a couple of years younger than me, um, but <coughs> we still keep in touch. So we had a, my wife laid on a 50th Zoom party for me the other day. But 
then I knew nothing about it at all, but Denise was on there. Um, Linford Christie was on there. Uh, you know, uh, Mark Richardson was on there. Agent, you know, Mark Hilton, loads of, loads of great people. And these are, these are hugely inspirational people to me because they're great athletes, but they're great friends. They don't talk about, oh, by the way, do you remember when I won the Olympics last year? They don't, they don't talk about that. They say, hey, Roger, how you doing? They, when I, I don't remember it because I was uh, a little bit in and out of it in hospital, but when I came around last year, some of these people were in my, my hospital room next to my bed talking to me. They're not just people that say, oh, I wish you all the best. They're people that actually come out of their way and do it. And that's why they were so successful because they do the thing they say they're going to do. They don't just say it; they go do it. That's absolutely you know? right. That's a really good point. That yeah, yeah, it does define them. Phenomenal, phenomenal people, and and all of my friends. Uh, I've been so fortunate. Uh, I went to school with some people that took a different path, and uh, things didn't work out for them the way they went. I was very lucky to fall into sport, and the type of people that fall into sport. Have a similar mindset that they want to achieve something even if they don't yeah they they tried it they they gave it their best shot and they tried it and they'd be, they're successful at something else and we spoke earlier about co he, he went on to become an mp after he left um athletics he then went on to become a successful leader of the 2012 olympic uh games probably the most successful games has ever been he's now the president of the world governing body of athletics in between that, he's, he's been a baron, a lord, a sir, that you can have. And this is a guy that failed his 11 plus at school, went to a comprehensive school. So the fact that he failed at 11 didn't restrict him from carrying on to become a great athlete. And, uh, Tim Benjamin had to retire early, a great 400 meter runner for Great Britain, for Wales, 44.5, beat the world champion at the time, Jeremy Warriner, twice that year ultimately retired injured, but didn't just give up on life. He's now the, um, the, the top man of a chain of successful gyms, the fitness space that's up and down the country. I think he has <clears throat> 27 gyms now that he's opened. I'm just opening one original one in Ascot. And he's now become a successful entrepreneur and businessman. And I remember, I remember when he did that, actually. Was, that was about 10 years ago, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. It's just grown and grown and grown. Brilliant. Again, one of the coaches on the summer camp yeah. uh, came down, gave up a week right. his time uh, to inspire kids to try and do the best they could do. And, you know, he, he's now gone on and got a beautiful wife and two kids. And, and life's been uh, very hard this year with COVID and the gyms. But uh, the mindset is there. And, and these are people that are going to be there for you. They don't just say, I'm going to do something. They go out there and do it. And they do it to the best of their ability. They win, they win, they don't, they don't. But they've given it their best shot. And they're people you can rely on, you know. And, and I think from a coaching point of view, I think that's where I come in. I'm someone that my athletes can rely on. I'm going to be there. Even if I can't be there because of COVID, I'm at the end of the phone. This is what you've got to do today. This is how you're going to do it. How did you feel after doing it? What's the feedback from it? Where can we go forward into the next session? <clears throat> are you able to do the next session? Can we progress from this? Um, lots of different things like that. And, and I think um, the people I've met have shaped me from my parents, from my 
childhood heroes on TV, to the friends I grew up with that went on to become heroes of mine, even though we were mates and, and peers of each other, they went on to great things, but they've remained my friends as well. And, and I'm, I've been absolutely blessed across the board with, um, with my life. You know, I've got terrific, two terrific kids, beautiful wife, fantastic mates. I'm living the dream. You know, I'm not, I'm not rich, <clears throat> certainly far from it. Uh, things have been incredibly difficult the last few years financially, but I'm, I'm doing what I love doing. I love running. I love teaching running. I love helping other people to run. Uh, I love spending time with my kids, uh, my wife and my friends. And the job that I've done, rather than just go to a nine to five factory shop, whatever, I've, I've made my job around my life. Yeah. And do you know and, what, Rog, that's, that's a really good point. I think in, in a summary of this, do you know we've been talking for nearly two hours? No. <laughs> yeah, we are. Yeah. I'm sorry, sorry, really sorry, sorry. What, why are you apologising? No, I, I, could, I could chat to you all day. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, it's been brilliant. No, it's just that I think in summary, I think that is a, a beautiful summary, which is if you're going to do something, do it with passion, purpose, and find something that you really enjoy doing and don't be put off by, by, by the outside world and people telling you you can't. It's yeah. about following your heart and, you, and, and then building a talent or a skill on what you really, really enjoy doing. And yeah. I think most kids don't ever get taught that at school. Yeah. And I think most business leaders need to understand that the people that work for them are in that situation because they need money and because they've got a mortgage or a rent to pay. But actually, yeah. if it's their responsibility to turn that job into something that they actually enjoy. And when people enjoy what they do, they're more productive. Yeah. Right. Because they're happy. No failure. Yeah, that's it. There's no, There's failure. no failure. Yeah, that's it. That's it. So with this in mind, what, what I'll do as well with this podcast, I'll, I'll put your uh, link to your summer camp on there for next year. Yeah. Okay. If you, so, so we'll do that. And also the, the Punisher challenge that I'm doing, which is raising money for the local hospice here, but also part of it is half of it is going to a charity that you're passionate about. Ready, set, get, uh, go, right? So yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll put a link to the, the, um, the, the, uh, the, the website for any sponsorship for that as well. Sure. That'd be good. But you're doing yeah. all right, are you, at the moment? Yeah, yeah, I'm, 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 I'm good. I'm a bit fed up. Um, the medication's doubled, which right. has a slight side effect. Um, so... <clears throat> funny enough i've been writing a book while i've been off nice and it's it goes over all sorts of areas from my childhood into sport and coaching and to where we are now mm. <clears throat> and a big part of that is my kids situation seven in particular and then me last year and one of the things that struck me the last conversation we had was you mentioned i you very kindly mentioned that I had something that you referred to as bounce back ability. Mm. And it was really interesting actually, because I was reading through what I've already written. <clears throat> and I've, I've added to that. I ordinarily would normally agree with you 110% on that. Um, I've always liked to believe that something good will always come out of it, and I still do. But I have, I have to admit, the past few months, whether it's the COVID situation or whether it's the medication or whether I'm just an old git now, I don't know. But uh, the last few months have been a little bit harder for me to keep 
smiling when things are piling up a little bit. But I then just have to remind myself how lucky I am and how much worse it could be. And then that bounce back ability comes back quite quickly. But it, 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 I have to admit, it, even for me, it took a bit of a dent this year. And there was, there was one day where Seb, who is just the happiest little fellow in the, in the world, was just really sad one day. And, and the little sparkle wasn't there. And I think seeing that sparkle not in him hit me harder. Because I think he was just a bit down. He couldn't see his friends. He yeah. couldn't get out. He's in constant pain. Um, he never refers to it. He hardly ever refers to ever being ill or, or sore. But because of uh, the cerebral palsy, uh, causes his mechanical issues, which then causes him to be very stiff and sore, his ankles and calves and knees and even his arms ache. Uh, he, has, he has quite a severe bleed on the brain. So that meant he, because of the right side of cerebral palsy, he's having to learn to use his left arm. So he, he's which, funny enough, my daughter, <laughs> coincidentally, is left-handed. Um, but so my, my, my son is having to do everything cock-handedly, yeah. which is really hard for him to do. Academically, he's, he's slightly behind, both because he's been off school for so long and missed so much schooling, but also because of his condition, he's a little bit... So he, but he's so inspirational, Ollie, because he, he's funny, He's just constantly laughing and joking and making light of things. He loves train crashes and dinosaurs eating each other. And he loves what there's there's a series of documentaries called What If? What if the Earth crashed into Jupiter? You know, what would happen? You know, what would you know? And he loves all these programs and he's just fascinated by it all. And you know, I see him, he goes to bed, he, he takes his medicine like a good boy. He never complains, even when it doesn't taste nice. He's been in hospital so many times, had so many operations, but always comes round and he puts his thumb up for the picture and he tries to smile, even when he's feeling sick as a dog. You know, and I, and I just think to myself, do you know what? All I've got is a bit of dizziness now and again that has stopped me from being able to drive a little bit. Um, so I can't really be too down. You know, I just—it's frustrating, but it—it it could be far, far worse. Yeah, it's interesting that you, you mean you are uh, an eternal optimist. We know this. Yeah, which is a good, it's a great trait to have. But I think a bit, a bit, a bit blind sometimes. But, yeah, that's yeah. Like blind optimism is not a bad thing either. Sometimes, yeah. but I mean, what you're highlighting here is, you know, I have to coach people, and I coach some very privileged individuals who moan about the smallest thing. And I think yeah. one of the biggest diseases isn't isn't cancer and, and all that sort of stuff. It's actually apathy, comfort, yeah, um, and laziness and yeah. just being privileged quite often yeah. because people just don't know what it means to actually go out there and suffer. Yeah. And when you, and when you suffer and you overcome that that issue, that challenge, that problem, you 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 become so much more um of a person, don't you? Yeah. And I think, you know, little Seb is is just an example of someone who doesn't know any difference. That's his way of life. And people are probably listening to this going, oh my God, that's tough. But to him, he just yeah. cherishes every kind of day and every moment. Yeah. And I guess you've, you're doing the same sort of thing. Yeah. Because we I are mean, all lucky, really, aren't we? But I mean, you're yeah. not in this situation with those health yeah. circumstances. But I mean, the lockdown in some ways has been fairly normal yeah. for him because he's 
because his immune system was quite poor. Yes. He hadn't been out much anyway. Sure. And we'd just begun to start to get out and about. Yeah. Lockdown's come. Um, so that in itself has been so much of a problem. You know, having his grandparents come over, so Nick's mum and dad coming over. Yeah. Uh, to help Nick more than anything else it is, is hard. You know, yeah. just so the other way around for you with your mum. It's it's hard not being able to go and try and help the people you want to help mm. uh, when you know there's help there and they just can't get to you. Yeah. You know, uh, but we, you know we're, we're lucky really. Um, Seb's, I think Seb is a bit of an optimist as well. Uh, it, it was interesting actually at school he has to learn about the Titanic at the moment, and he, as I said before, he likes Thomas Tank Engine and crashes, and he's got all these toys at home and they all crash into each other. And there's this huge pile of crashed trains and he thinks it's hysterical and then he was watching the titanic at school and he became really down and i said what's the matter son you know we came home and he said well we learned about the titanic and i said oh yeah it's a big iceberg and it huge hole in it and it sank and it's terrible wasn't it he said yeah but there was people on there dad and i think it suddenly struck him that in these accidents there's actual people involved in and you know it was it was sad but it also made me think how human he is because he's he genuinely cares Mm -hmm. even though he's been in a bad way and i mean we've technically been told we've lost him four or five times and he's fought his way back each time but he's aware that other people have suffered or are suffering and i think that is so incredible for a boy he's literally just turned seven last month with all the problems he's had, for him to be worrying about other people suffering, especially a hundred years ago, I just think that's incredible. Yeah, yeah. And, and, yeah, and yeah. one day he will go on to to do something amazing. You know, yeah. that's a good skill, isn't it, to have the, that talent of empathy at a young age? Yeah. Because yeah. most people lack it now, really. Absolutely. To be really honest, if you look at the politicians, it's oh. like, it's gone. But that's a whole other conversation. Yeah, mate, yeah. it's been a pleasure. Thank you very much. Um, thank you, thank you. We should, we'll share this on Facebook and social media and I'll put it on the, uh, the usual podcast, the OTT podcast, but uh, we'll, this is the second one that we've done. So what we'll do is another six months, we'll catch up again on a podcast and talk about another topic. Sure, sure, Brexit. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't want to talk about, don't get me started on politics. <laughs> that's, not, that's not for this. <laughs> no, 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 no. But, no what, Films come in threes now, so we've got to we've got to do um, yeah, a trilogy. yeah, a trilogy, yeah, to, yeah, absolutely. So no, I, I definitely look forward to that. But obviously, we'll catch up in between as well. And, and take care of yourself, please. And you and and your mum as well. Yeah, I, yeah. I hope you get that sorted. That's yeah, we will, we will, mate. Take care and and love to the family. You too, mate. Take care. See you Bye-bye. later. Bye. Bye. Bye.